Somebody once said that everything rises and falls on leadership, and I think all of us could use some encouragement in that area of our lives. So today, we're going to get it from a seasoned leader who helps people become better leaders. It all happens next on the Church Solutions Podcast. It's the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by StreamingChurch.tv. The Church Solutions Podcast is all about helping you and your church with technology and other resources for your life and ministry. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. The Church Solutions Podcast is rolling now. It's episode number 404. My name is Phil Thompson. And I'm Steve Lacey. Steve, what's happening today in Tucson, Arizona? Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> getting uh, we're, we're we're rolling out new uh, new and exciting things, so they're in the testing phases. Now you're so... talking about your new grandchild that was born, right? Is oh, that that's right. Yes. <laughs> Are you testing? Yes, him out I'm well? actually meeting with with his dad today. So oh, good. Um, yes, we have yes. a new. I thought I mentioned that last week, right? You, you, he hadn't, I don't think he had arrived. Oh, he did. He yeah. was, yes, he's now almost a week old. Yeah. So good deal. actually, he, yeah, today is a week. Yeah. So, All right. Yep. Well, congratulations. And that's number five for you as far as grandchildren. That is number five. Yes. Wow. Well, good for you. I'm glad to hear that. Well, that's good. All right. Okay. Well, speaking of rolling things out, before we get to our guest today, uh, we have a webinar coming up and it's November of... Uh, what is it? November 14th, 14th. I think. Yeah. Yes. And, and and we do webinars every month. What, what's this webinar about? This webinar is repurposing your sermons. Repurposing uh, your sermons. The All subtitle right. is Stop Wasting Your Sermons. I mean, yeah. uh, churches are working the majority of their week preparing, prepping, prepping, rehearsing, and delivering the sermon. And then they start the wheel the next week. And there's a gold mine of opportunity with the combination of AI and some other things to repurpose your sermon. All right. And so Bring a bunch of content from it. Awesome. So, uh, so November 14th, how do people sign up for this free webinar? So if they go to webinar.streamingchurch.tv, then you can sign up there. All right. And it's free. It's about a half hour long, maybe a little longer, take some mm -hmm. Q and A at the end. So it'll be fun. That'll be good. That, this is definitely a very important topic, repurposing your sermon. So hope people sign up for that. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's introduce our guest here. Let me read his bio here. Get my glasses on here. Uh, today's guest has been leading Vanderbloom and Search Group for over fifteen years, where they have retained they've been retained to identify the best talent for teams, manage succession succession planning, and also consult on all issues regarding teams. Uh, prior to founding Vanderbloom and Search Group, our guest studied. Uh, uh, executive search under a mentor for wow 25 years experience and uh, of executive search at the highest level his learning has taught him the very best in corporate practices as well as church stuff and um, prior to that he actually served as a senior pastor of one of the largest presbyterian churches in the united states please welcome everybody william vanderbloom into the church solutions podcast william how are you today wow that that was a lot, Phil. I hope people don't <laughs> listen to everything you say because that was too much. But, uh, uh, 
yeah, my wife's not in on this, so so no worries there. Uh, but uh, that was a joke that she won't appreciate. So uh, so William, <laughs> uh, I, Steve, you usually ask a lot of questions, and it usually kind of weasels me out of this. But before he starts mm-hmm. asking you questions, let me ask you a question. We're talking about leadership today, and. Um, and all of us on this church, on this team has been involved in pastoral stuff. Uh, Steve was never a pastor, but I was. And, uh, uh, let me ask you a pointed question here. Do you find that most pastors that you've come in contact with are not very good leaders? That's a really good question. I think they're probably better leaders than they were when I came out of seminary. Um, it wasn't, you know, I, I'm ancient. And uh, when I came out of Princeton, you know, it was the mid nineties. Willow was just hitting its stride. They weren't, there wasn't a lot of talk about strategic planning or leadership. Certainly not a lot of talk about church growth. And, uh, and I was in the Presbyterian world, which is what I grew up in. And so it was even more of like the, just go preach the Bible and be nice to people and sit with people. I mean, it's classic old school pastoring. I, I think the advent of a lot of leadership resources over the last, you know, 30 years or whatever it's been now has led to a better sense of leadership. But man, I'm I'm trying to increase my leadership horsepower every day. So I'm, I'm not the expert. So, so for, for me, I mean, and you're talking mid nineties and that kind of time frame. Um, John Maxwell is yeah. kind of the icon in the leadership in the pastor's world. Is he, what, what's, what has his, his influence been on leadership in the church? Sure. Well, John, when I came to Houston to first Presbyterian, I was, um, in way over my head and didn't know it. Um, you know, I was 31 years old and <laughs> pastoring this mammoth church. And the only, really the only thing I had going for me was because I was 31, I knew everything, which was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I thought that was more like 21. Not yeah, well, I, I'm slow to learn that I don't know things. <laughs> uh, but John took me under wing and actually mentored me personally for many, many years uh, to, to this day. And uh, so personally, he's shaped a whole lot of church leadership in my mind. But you look at, you look at, what I consider to be the most innovative or effective large-scale churches that are out there, whatever that means or is worth. John, there's probably a, at least a dotted line back to John, if not direct. Yeah. Uh, Dan Betzer, uh, I, I was in Christian broadcasting for a long time. I don't know if you know who Dan Betzer is, but uh, I'm sure he's not around anymore. But he was, I think, part of the AG church stuff. But he said one time uh, that he doesn't, anybody that's pastoring under 40, he doesn't feel like has anything worthwhile to say. <laughs> and I remember thinking, you know, cause I was in ministry as in my early twenties, I'm thinking, what? that's crazy. But, but, but I, I, and I, I don't subscribe to that, but I will say in kind of what you were saying earlier about, you know, you kind of think you do when you're in your twenties and thirties. Uh, but, yep. uh, but when you do get a little bit older, you begin to realize what you don't know. I guess. And, yeah. And, well, if you, if you ruled out um, everybody under 40, you'd cut out some pretty cool people. I don't know how old exactly. Paul was, but yeah. I'm guessing he wasn't that old. Jesus would be 
off the list. Yeah, Athanasius yeah. Uh, wrote the Apostles' yeah. Creed, Nicene Creed, probably worth keeping around. Oh, uh, so and 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 just to give some kudos, I'm so bullish on Gen Z. I really am, and there has never been a major spiritual awakening and a awakening in Christendom that doesn't have a direct line back to a youth movement every time. So maybe they don't know everything, but man, they are the catalyst for changing the world. And uh, I, I think what I what I see, Phil, a lot of times is pastors who are in their 20s or early 30s feel like they haven't gotten anything done and they get discouraged. And maybe maybe that causes a, you know, a happy trigger finger on change and that leads to problems. I, I don't know. But but I'm forever encouraging. And we did a research project a while back. We've worked with of all the biggest churches in the country, we've worked with nearly every one of them uh, at some level over the years. So it's been a really interesting study. And we asked a question many years back. We said, so if you look at, let's assume a few things. Let's assume a church is growing over a long period of time. Let's assume they have the same pastor for a long period of time. Is there a correlation between the steepest growth of the church and the age of the pastor? In other words, what's the sweet spot? You know, right. what's prime time for pastors? And what we found looking at long to go way back, largest churches in the history of the country, um, really the starting gun for for growth and, quote, getting something done with my life is at 40. Exactly. Really? And it takes off. Yeah. So I'm forever telling these really talented women and men that are in ministry, like, I can't get anything done and the old people won't listen to me and blah, 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 blah. Like, you aren't even to the starting line yet. The fact that you're doing what you're doing now is amazing. So keep it up. You get to 40, things take off. And there's a window from 40 to 55, and I would argue maybe even up to 60 now, where you, you, you're you old enough to know some things, you're young enough to have some energy, and uh, it, it tends to be when the church grows the steepest and fastest. That's interesting. interesting. I, I, uh, I became a senior pastor when I was 41, uh, and, uh, and it was one of the best times of my life. So, yeah, interesting. All right. All right, Steve, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. So Keep going I'm off. just just jumping in here, kind of tag teaming on some of Phil's stuff. I and some of the things you mentioned. I would assume that there's a lot of young, eager pastors that enter the ministry and they're gonna they're gonna change the world and they're gonna grow the next, you know, Willow Creek, and they're you know, they're just and then five, six, seven years in, ten years in, they're just so burnt out. Do you see a lot of that? Yeah, I remember years ago, another guy who poured into me over the years was Bill Hybels. And I know he had an unfortunate ending to his time at Willow, but he taught a lot of good things. And uh, one of the things he told me when I was this rambunctious 31-year-old, I got to do everything, get it all done right now, was, you know, I've seen a lot of guys start well. I've seen a lot of guys finish well. I've seen very few people run the whole race well. And it's just supernatural to get tired in the middle supernatural to get frustrated that things aren't going as well as they should and and uh so you know, so what, so what do you do uh well you know what we probably have I people think, in that position right now listening to us i i here's here's some just practical things that it, this sounds pedestrian but i told pastors redo their resume every year every year redo your why hmm. well not for looking for a job but for looking in the mirror because a good resume outlines not what you want to get done but what you actually got done and a good resume you know the best predictor of future performance 
is past performance. We get asked all the time to go find the great next unicorn or a great staff member for a church. And we're always saying, not what are you going to do, but what have you done? And by doing your resume every year, you can drop back and you say, oh, actually, we did get some stuff done this year. Like, even if it's there was a horrible auto accident and we had the funeral and it was this terrible, awful moment, but it was really congregational glue like that. That's a real thing. Uh, so I, it sounds crazy, but I think everybody should redo their resume every year. It just gives you a chance to look back and see you know, how many good things are happening. Another really pedestrian uh, suggestion that I would give, and this is going to sound antiquated, okay, so revealing my age. When you get a positive email, like a way to go, print it and put it in a folder and label the folder, read on Monday, right? <laughs> so, I mean, literally, <laughs> yeah. Phil gets it. Mondays, do you know how many people call us on Monday saying, I think my season might be coming to a close at our church? Like, no, call me on Tuesday. It'll get better. But but I, I actually labeled mine the Barnabas file because you forget the positives. You forget them. And all you remember is somebody yelling at you about how you split an infinitive during your message or you were wearing a stupid shirt that distracted me or like whatever dumb thing that we've all gotten if we've been pastors in our email. Uh, keep that positive folder around where you can put your hands on it. Um, and, you know, last thing that's not real pedestrian, I'd probably devote a day or two to whatever form of fasting and prayer you do. And that's different for a lot of people, but, but to get away from the junk of the day-to-day -day and drop back into however you get to that gear where you spend some time with Jesus and just say, hey, um, I want you to confirm my call again for another year. I want you to put deep in my heart that this is what you want me doing for the next year. Cause without that you'll quit. And, yeah. and I, this is a weird thing to say, man, as Presbyterians, we say, once you're ordained, you're always ordained, but I serve the local church. I would never be able to do what I do now. Had I not served the local church. I'm so thankful for my time there. And I feel so much more useful doing what I'm doing now. It's like God issued a different call for my life. It's not a disqualifier of what I did before, but actually builds on it. And sometimes I think people, you know, they go into ministry and they forget to ask the, is this still my burning passion? And it might not be. And if it's not, it will kill you. You know, we've got a client that says this is the most brutiful job on the planet. Isn't that a great word? <laughs> brutiful. <laughs> is there... Are there assessment tools or resources? You know, let's say I made it past Monday and I'm in the midweek and I'm still feeling down. And is there is there something that, you know, where you're going to start saying, is it me? Am I missing something? Did I do something wrong? Is there are there tools yeah. out there to 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 kind of figure out whether, it, you know, if there's. Do I need help? Yeah. You know, do I need a coach? Do well, there, there, there are so many more tools than when I came out of uh, seminary and went into ministry. But I think the coach or the older, wiser friend is maybe the single best thing. And that doesn't have to be paying somebody to be your coach. But you know, what's the old line, Steve? Um, why is it that wisdom is wasted on the old and youth on the young? <laughs> it's, it's sometimes having it's a, a little bit of an old geezer around that's been around and. You know, uh, so actually really helps. And the second thing I'd say is I would not do any kind of assessment 
or self-reflection on your call when you're at your low energy point of the day? Like, I never need to ask those questions at 3 p.m. That is just not a good time for me. I stumble out of my office and wander around and try and talk to people just to have some energy. And somebody told me a long time ago, you, you know, William, Jesus died at 3 p.m. It's a hard hour. So mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> there's that. But like, I have to, if you're going to do that kind of self-examination, you need to know what day of the week is my best energy? What block of time is my best energy? And let's put it there rather than when I'm emotionally down. That There's so many studies, particularly if you're a preaching pastor, most people that do regular public speaking are somewhere on the manic depressive scale. And there are different words for it now, but I mean, it's all a scale and a spectrum, right? I'm not saying you're all mentally ill. That's not it at all. But there is something to the fact that when you put everything of yourself out there on a stage or from a pulpit or whatever, you're naturally going to have a down. I mean, Billy Graham used to lose like 25 pounds on a crusade. Like, wow. so there, it, it's very natural to hit a low and you don't want to go asking those questions when you're in the low spot. I, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question or evades it, but that's what I got. Yeah. And I'm hearing surrounding yourself with trusted elders yeah. at your church is, is really good medicine as well. So, yep. yeah. All right. We were going to go through 12 skills that separate the best leaders from the rest. Yeah. Start so- that off, Phil. Sure. Well, we I've had a question in my mind for a long time. I've never written a book that didn't have a burden behind it because writing a book is not fun and you don't make any money. So it, it, it's basically got to be something that's inside you that you really feel like needs to get out. So I've had this question in my mind for many, many years. Maybe you guys have had this happen. You You run into somebody, it's at a social event or maybe a church or maybe in a job interview. And within five minutes of talking to that person, you're like, this one is a winner. This one's different. This one's special. Mm -hmm. I have wondered for the longest time, what in the world is somebody doing to me that within five minutes, I mean, I've got a lot to learn, but I'm not super gullible. Like what's going on there? How does that, what are they doing? And by the same token, like we get paid to help Christian organizations find their leadership. So we get paid to go spot unicorns, right? Some of them you meet within five minutes. It's like this person's special. Others fly under the radar. I remember the first time I met Chris Hodges, who's pastor at Church of the Highlands, and it was before he planted. And John Maxwell, our mutual mentor, introduced me to him. And I just was like, yeah, okay, whatever, man, good luck. I didn't, he didn't, and he's one of the most strategic and gifted and anointed minds in Christendom right now. And I missed it. So like the one side is, what are you doing within five minutes that I'm all about you? And I've, you know, the Kool-Aid is served. And what should I be looking for in others? So I don't miss the next Chris Hodges or whoever it is. So that's the question. I'm like, how do you get your mind around that? And I've never had time to think about it because every year we've been in, you know, been doing this work we've grown a lot except for 2020 i think everybody probably has an asterisk beside 2020 for something (laughs) ours was yeah that we actually grew a lot in 2020 i would bet you did (laughs) you know the the zoom crowd you know anybody tech but but not the oh we're hiring new pastoral staff that was Mm -hmm. not growing Mm -hmm. um I, i learned a valuable lesson because I've just got a religion and philosophy degree business lesson learned on the fly. If all of your clients close indefinitely, your calendar gets pretty free. 
And uh, we, we spent a lot of the pandemic serving other churches and trying to help them, you know, with PPP funds or how do I do online when we don't even have any a good camera? All I have is my kid's iPhone, that, that sort of thing. But we also had some time to do research. So we realized uh, anytime we do a search, we start with a big giant funnel of maybe 1500 candidates for a position. And then it comes down real fast to 100, 150. And then you do Zoom interviews and message reviews or music samples or whatever the thing is. And you down, down, down. When you get down toward the end of the search and you've got that last like maybe eight or 10 people that are really high quality. Uh, those people we fly to and we give them a long format face-to-face interview. So during the pandemic, we realized we've done 30,000 of those now. That's a lot. Yeah. And we've actually tracked all of our notes and we've kept up with where those candidates went. And so these are the best people we've ever interviewed, 30,000. So we reviewed all of their, like, what do they do? And then we said, what about the best of that 30,000? We figured out who'd gotten the job, who done well, gotten promoted, what it, you know, however you want to measure success. And we, once we knew who that was, we said, okay, do these people have anything in common? Back to within five minutes, I think you're a winner. What, what are the common traits of people that have that magic thing that makes them a unicorn? And we studied and we found that they do have things in common. And, and it was stunningly consistent. And incredibly surprising. It was none of the things I would have thought. Uh, I would have thought they're all IQ of 160 or better. No, mm-hmm. uh, they're all, you know, got to go to really great schools and learn how to connect. No, uh, socioeconomic status. No, certainly not racial, ethnic. Um, it, was, it wasn't even like who's the quarterback and head cheerleader sort of thing. It wasn't even that. It was 12 habits that they all exhibited either in our interview or in their work or our interaction with them that were fundamentally like treating people well habits, very intentional, but intentional habits that they practiced that most people don't that immediately made you feel better about them and like them. And they stood out in the crowd and they, and, and we were selfishly doing this research so we could figure out how to find unicorns faster and better. What we realized was, Actually, we have a roadmap now to tell people how to become one. And that turned into, okay, that's a burden. We got to get a book out. And uh, the book, Be the Unicorn, is the 12 data-driven habits that separate the best leaders from the rest. So it's not my opinion of what separates leaders. It's not ruminations uh, or reflections. It's no, the data shows you do this, you will stand out in the crowd. So long-winded answer, recovering preacher. Sorry. Okay. Well, look. Uh, so you got, and I've, I'm looking at some notes here that that I have. Twelve skills that separate the best leaders from from the rest. And the name of the book again is "Be the Unicorn." Yeah, be the unicorn. Okay. Before we, and obviously we don't have time to get in all twelve of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, I have we'll a question some about of them. I, I Let's have a go question some about highlights because yeah. I'm sure people are going to want to know. Well, well, yeah, but yeah, so some of, them, some of them are, I, I think, are obvious. I mean, I won't get into some. Some of them I'm looking here are pretty obvious, but then there's a couple that aren't. Like so, the first one is the fast. You, you've got one of the one of the skills you've got listed here is the fast yeah, speed wins. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, 
first thing first, the list is pretty obvious. If you if if you just showed me the table of contents of the book, I'd say, duh. Well, some that are not so not all of them, but some of them well, are. Well, yeah. that's why to me it's important to realize this is not an op-ed. This is what data from thirty thousand case studies shows, and it may leave you saying, "Okay, I guess mom was right." <laughs> Things she told me growing up, but yeah, she might have been. Uh, so that's the just the general uh, flow of the book, and it's super accessible. Whether or not people put the work in is a whole different thing. But uh, you know, you talk about the fast. Well, what is that? Well, if I'm really honest, we titled it the fast because it's a little controversial. Probably the better word would be the responsive. Okay. So, so fast, mm -hmm. like I am not fast. I am Dutch. We are built for wind resistance. So I think we're going to win the 40. It's not speed. It's do you get back to people? And what we mm -hmm. found in studying the data about unicorns and then about the general population is we're really horrible as humans at getting back to people. We're really bad at it. And all you have to do to separate yourself from the crowd is get back to people intentionally and quickly. Mm -hmm. So not an auto response, not an AI generated chat bot, blah, blah, blah. A real human response given quickly will separate you from the crowd. And the book points out like the data behind that. And I can tell story after story. It's amazing um, how easy this win is. And, and when you combine all 12 of the habits in some way, shape or form, well, then then you've got some alchemy and it's it's pretty special. So and and you mentioned, I think, that a lot of these don't show up in a five minute interview. Nope. OK, nope. so, yeah. All right. So you got to you got to dig a, a little deeper. But I guess if some of them do show up, then that's going to get the guy into the next round, I would assume, a girl into the next round. Yeah. And I mean, we've gotten sneaky it's not so sneaky now because I tell the story, but like we, we see how fast people respond to messages that are sent that are not part of the interview. Like you can test for some of these habits, you know, and I'd be careful not to test everyone for all 12 habits. Like there are some jobs in our company that uh, require more responsiveness than others. So we test pretty thoroughly when we're interviewing there. But I, th I think the, you know, and how I do assume I these guys don't know they're being tested either, right? Well, that's the idea. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the idea. <laughs> so the interview, a good interview starts long before the official interview time and it lasts right. long. After. Uh -huh. So, um, yeah, I, I hire much slower than I used to. So it's, it's just, it's just too painful to get it wrong. It's just too painful. And in ministry, when you try and fire church staff it's like jesus never fired anybody well yes he did he fired a fig tree but whatever you know it's just hard and uh so i i go a little slower but yes you interview for these qualities um even more though for your listeners right now i'm thinking of like the tech person that can't really get anybody's attention like the best day for a tech day is when he goes unnoticed right <laughs> exactly right so how do i stand out in the crowd when my big success is not sticking out <laughs> there. You, you practice these 12 things, you'll become invaluable to your team and, and you'll be invaluable as a, a applicant to, to college or to your first job. I mean, like the, the applications are enormous. Yes. For hiring managers, but more importantly for people and their own development, 
And I think, uh, you know, sometimes back to our friends that go through several years of ministry and then get burned out, the novelty wears off, not just your uh, novelty with practicing ministry, but you're not the new preacher anymore. And, you know, your, your novelty has worn off. How do you make yourself stand out of all the noise in the crowd? You do these 12 things, you will become irreplaceable. And and the workforce has never, ever been so crowded as right now. And we can talk a long time about that. But I think people want, in a really noisy world, to know that they can stand out and be seen. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, hopefully as, you, as I'm looking through this list, there's, there's a guy I met at a conference net a, a while back and a few weeks ago and I'm looking at your list and I'm going, wow, this, this is that guy, you know? <laughs> so, um, let's hire him. <laughs> well, that, yeah. So I made that mistake, uh, as a, <laughs> as a younger leader where I had a couple hundred people on payroll. Oh, they're so smart. They stand out. I need to hire them. I, I never tested if they were right for the job or right for our culture. I just liked them. And the reality is, when I was really young, they weren't that talented. In hindsight, I can see they just reminded me of me and I like me. So <laughs> and you end up with a bunch of me, which does no good toward building a team. Um, so I, no, do not hire them just because they stand out. All right. Got to be a good fit. Because yeah, this is, yeah, this one is, is, um, is not the perfect resume. So, but uh, they do, um, exhibit a lot of these traits that you have um, about, you know, the fast and agile and a solver. So I don't know if we have, do we want to get into the list? Do we have time? For uh, probably. We don't have a lot of time, to be honest with you. Uh, somebody said one time, hire slow, fire fast. Do you subscribe yeah. to that idea, William? Yeah. Although, you know, churches don't like either of those words. So I'll, right. I'll colleague of mine said many years ago, he said, you know, on our staff, we used to say, let's have long hellos and short goodbyes. That's yeah. a kinder, gentler way to say it. But it? I would say that's the number one mistake made in HR is people hire too fast and they fire too slow. First, they put off hiring until it's too late. Oh, yeah. it's August. So we got to have a student pastor. And then you, your buddy tells you about a guy who would be great. And all of a sudden you've got a lead candidate. That, yeah. it, 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 that, that didn't work. So didn't I work. would assume that you start this process before you need somebody, right? Yeah. Um, how, do, how does the church go about doing doing that? You know, whether I need yeah. somebody right now or not, I would think I'd want to. Yeah, uh, I you know, there's so many good exercises, and this is kind of coming full circle to is you know, are our pastors good leaders? I think they're better than they used to be at this sort of thing. Um, but I think you know, one of the best pieces of advice I heard is, you know, every year, whether it's your staff retreat or whatever, ask the question, if God breathed on our church and we doubled tomorrow, what are we missing? And sometimes the answer is a building. And sometimes the answer is more technology to be able to do online campuses. You know, uh, maybe it's, well, we, you know, we're, we would need two more pastors for sure. And they would need to be in these areas. So you can start to think you know, a little bit bigger and then drop back to baby steps. But yeah, I mean, the smartest churches that I see now, this requires size for it to work, but the unicorn I missed, Chris Hodges has a fully accredited college on campus. 
and they wow. graduate a couple hundred seniors every single year. And if you are looking for ministries and it's a ministry focused college. So like he, he's basically built an amazing pipeline from not just his church, but lots of churches. So I think people are getting smarter about like, we got to think ahead. So we're not hiring too quickly, but the reality is most people don't have that luxury. Most people have to, um, have to get it done fairly quickly without making a mistake. And that hopefully that's where we come in. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the book is called Be the Unicorn, 12 Data-Driven Habits That Separate the Best Leaders from the Rest. Uh, our guest has been William Vanderblumen today. William, we're out of time, but I'd, I'd love to have you on again sometime. That'd be great. You guys are fun to visit with. Oh, yeah. We're we're a lot of fun. We we have a lot of fun here, but uh, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we we try to take what we do seriously. So uh, so we're glad to have you on here. So how can people get this book, Be the Unicorn? Yeah. How, how can people get it? Simplest way to do it. My name is so messed up that you can just misspell Vanderbloom into Amazon or Google, however you want to, and it will drive right back to, I'm not kidding. Like go try oh, really? it. Just, That's great. Yeah, just Vanderbloom any way you want. It will, it will come back up. Uh, if you want like the one-stop shop for, we built a software tool that does assessments around these things. They're team building things. There's some bonus material, uh, theunicornbook.com. All right. Good deal. All right. Great. This is awesome. Well, we really enjoyed having you, William. You're a good sport. Thank you so much for tolerating us today. Thanks for what you guys are doing. Appreciate All right. you. All right. Well, good deal. And uh, and folks, thank you for uh, spending a little bit of time with us on the Church Solutions podcast. Be sure and subscribe to us if you get the chance and you can rate us. And we'd love to hear from you. If you if you ever want to get more information on us, you're driving down the road or something and you're like, oh, what was all this about? Just remember, you can always go to streamingchurch.tv and you can chat with us live or leave a message and we'll get you all the information about Be the Unicorn or anything else that you need because we want to help you and your church and your ministry. So we're done here. Thank you guys for being with us today. And take care of yourselves and each other. We'll catch you again next time on another episode of the Church Solutions Podcast. I'm Phil Thompson.